0: off top you ever heard of sun sneezers photic sneeze reflex some people sneeze when the sun hits their eyes play the music
1: this is the dominique foxworth show
0: what up charlie
1: yo
2: I had no idea about that one.
0: <laughs> uh, last night, my friend, I was playing uh, FIFA. I was destroying him in FIFA, as I always do, and online. And I forgot how this came up, but he said he's a sun sneezer. And so we laughed for 30 minutes. Me and a couple of other friends laughed for 30 minutes about this ridiculous thing that obviously can't be true. And he's like, no, it's a real thing. I'm a sun sneezer. It's like, what are you talking about? This sounds like an episode of Curb. You're out of your mind. And then I Googled it and saw, yeah, apparently some people sneeze when the sun hits their eye like a big pizza pie. It's a sneezy.
2: Have I have I told you my Larry David story, by the way, speaking oh, of gosh. episodes of curb? Uh, well, you have to now. Oh, God, you're going to love this one. Uh, so <laughs> I visited my grandmother in Martha's Vineyard. It was I did like a family trip there. It's like 2012. I can't remember which season of Curb was premiering, but it was August and there was the night of like, say it was the season eight premiere of Curb. And we had to go out to dinner at a restaurant. And I was sort of being like the spoiled 22 year old talking to my mom being like, I don't want to go Sunday night HBO. I want to watch TV. And my mom was like, don't be an asshole. You're going to dinner with your grandmother. We show up to dinner, 8 p.m. Who do I see at the bar? larry david is sitting at the bar by himself (laughs) suede corduroy jacket white sneakers jeans (laughs) the full larry david that's hilarious and i'm like i got i gotta say something i gotta say something no you don't yeah i do he's walking out (laughs) i'm walking in and i'm like larry love the show he turns to me looks at his watch he goes do (laughs) you do you love the show (laughs) it's premiering in an hour I was like, uh, I, I was like, I do, I do. I didn't want to come. I told my mom the show was. On. He's like, that's awesome. I was like, we're going to see my grandma. And he looks, he goes, you're blaming your grandma. You're blaming <laughs> oh. your grandma. And just walks off, never to be seen again.
0: Oh man, that's outstanding. That actually is a really good story. Your poor grandma. You uh, yeah. Treat her like that. Eight o'clock dinner is late as hell for a grandma dinner. By the way. Yeah. That's absurd.
2: I I agree. I agree. No, no. I'll probably never meet Larry David again.
0: So I I was coming in ready to rail against the NCAA. So first, first of all, I'm gone on vacation right now. Uh, We recorded this last Friday uh, and that this will all make a lot more sense once you realize that if you stayed up and watched those games, those NCAA games like I did last night, because I came in ready. To, like before that, earlier that morning, I was like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to record an episode about all the the Ales of the NCAA. And even I wanted to talk about um uh, the rules, the three-year eligibility rules in the NFL that are keeping some great players out. And I was just ready to just tell you about all the um, inequities and unfairness of the ncaa and the greed and the exploitation i was hot and i watched those games it was so much fun and i just <laughs> it doesn't change anything that i was going to say but it makes it a lot less fun to say because those games were incredible There's so much fun and marquise noel eh, is like that's the classic tournament story he's the five, nine is what he's listed at. I think guard for Kansas state, which I think that's a bit of a a little bit of inflation along with uh, the U S dollar, but him and uh, Jerome Tang, that coach at the end of those games. I don't know. I'm, I'm cynical and I'm supposed to be like, Oh, the coaches are all assholes. They're just out for money. They're using these players. But Them together at the end of games running trick plays in the middle of the game where uh, Noel is pretending to argue with Tang on the sideline just to set up an alley oop that no one sees in the back door. And then afterwards, just hugging each other and feeling like it's like there's some genuine love there. Like I, I forget that even in the midst of an exploitative system, there can still be good stories and good people and great games and a lot of fun. And just because the system is broken doesn't mean that uh, every now and then, and even more often than that, some good things can come out of it. Some fun can come out of it because, man, those games were incredible. I didn't even get to Gonzaga UCLA, which was uh, they kept telling us about how it's the third time they're playing in recent years and all those games came down to the wire. We saw the buzzer beaters and, of course. This one comes down the wire. A bunch of leads changed at the end. Back-to-back big threes by both teams. Missed free throws by uh, Timmy, who's supposed to be the best player on their team. Like, it was just an awesome experience. Topped about. Florida Atlantic got the upset over Tennessee, which was fun also. So, by now, you guys already know who's in the Final Four. But And I, I hope that the games, those uh, Elite Eight games, were just as good as the Sweet 16 games, but I feel like it's impossible to have as many great games as we had.
2: You brought something interesting. The system might be broken, but the NCAA tournament is not. It's (laughs) actually something that's structured that with all of the changes in college basketball, the tournament has remained as entertaining as ever. And in Mm -hmm. certain ways, one of the things that I find interesting is I feel like with the leveling of the playing field of college basketball, we're getting more upsets deeper in the tournament. Um, like Like I... I think it's worth discuss- discussing the specificity of how special something like Gonzaga, UCLA was in this era of a, of senior laden teams playing each other uh, mm-hmm. deep in the tournament multiple times. That's a rarity. We aren't going to see that that often. But seeing, we might see more FAUs. We might see more uh, teams like Princeton in the 15 seeds that just play their style of ball, making it to the Sweet 16. And initially, you know, we're of that thing. Hey. Upset teams like Cinderella's bow out before you get too far, but now yeah. with the leveling of college basketball, I don't think that's nearly as important. Like seeing these, these, there will be final four teams that are eight seeds, nine seeds, 10 seeds moving forward.
0: I don't mind. And you know, this about me, I, I feel like I don't necessarily mind being wrong. Like I'll get into some good arguments and go back and forth because it's entertaining. But like, if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. And before this tournament started, I was just droning kind of on and on every time and uh, the many different shows that I'm on about how I'm not excited about this tournament. And like I created all these justifications for why the NCAA tournament is no longer exciting. We don't know these people. We haven't grown relationships with them anymore. The coaches don't have personalities. And you heard me every week talk about the corporatization of sports and how it's sucking the fun out of things like the NCAA tournament. I was dead ass wrong (laughs) because these are just fun. And I think what it comes down to for me is intensity and stakes. Yeah. Intensity and stakes is all that matters. And it, it felt like I didn't look at the numbers, but I know the shooting's been bad for much of this tournament, but it felt like the shooting was better in these games. But honestly, I don't care. Like I'll watch a high school championship game and be enthralled with a bunch of players that will not play at the next level because they'll be all over the floor Playing really hard, aggressive defense. And then when you have like the artistry of a player like Marquise Noel, where he's yeah. just finding these passes that are are beautiful, <laughs> you know, and mm-hmm. it's just it's a fun blend to have him taking advantage of the like desperation of the defense to exploit them. And seeing those things uh pan out in the course of the game is just so fun. And then having them tight at the end. And it, it felt like the officiating was even better and. This weekend, I guess they they're fewer. Yeah, they didn't f- it up, yeah, which is huge, huge. Yeah, which they they, they have uh, on occasion. Which I guess they're they're fewer games, so maybe that means they can get the best officials. But basketball, I think, is hard to officiate. I mean, you've heard it a bunch of times where you can call a foul just about every play. But it felt like these were well officiated games because I'm not thinking about it. It it doesn't matter to me. It didn't feel like these games were swayed by it. Hopefully, I'm not jinxing it, and you guys aren't. Wishing that I waited to record this so after the uh, Elite Eight games, but uh, or yeah, a- after the other Sweet Sixteen games, but we'll see. Anyway, the bottom line is it was really fun. It doesn't change anything yeah. about uh the NCAA or any of that stuff. And maybe Jerome Tang is gonna go somewhere else and get more money. And and obviously, well, not obviously, but Marquise Noel's like this is probably going to be the peak of his like American yeah. basketball career, which is, well, he could be
2: a Monty Morris. He could be a Tyus Jones. He's got like, he's such a special passer at the college level. He could find his way as a backup point guard in the NBA. Maybe.
0: Mm, you're hoping I'm hoping to, it'd be fun. Uh, I, he just transferred there from little rock. He's a kid from Harlem. Uh, yeah. Getting to know these kids. It reminds me so much of the Olympics where it's like, they give you these packages as you're watching the Olympics where they try to teach you about somebody, you get to know them in a in a in a matter of minutes. You had no idea what their name was before, and now you're like completely invested in in them and their event. And I feel the same way. It's like I hope I'm sorry, FAU, but I'm rooting for more Marquise Noel. Yeah. I hope he gets yeah. to the final four.
2: Well, the other thing about this too, and you you brought this up, you're getting to know them. The teams are getting to know each other, and that's one of the like true joys of NCAA basketball is that. Each one of these games, you come out and there's like a feeling out period. And then it's like problem solving because it's, yeah. it's different than the NBA in that all of these teams can make shots. And the shot making with tight defense is absurd. College is not like that. They're trying to systematically break these teams. And they play different styles because the personnel has so much variance in who you're going to get in college basketball over the years. So you watch these games and you, even in a one-off game, you can get particular investment in styles and players because it's in each matchup. There are aspects of David versus Goliath.
0: Yeah. Now let's talk about the play of the week, the pressure to follow up hypnotic and cognac weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup blue and ready for the play and boom on Yeho. Tequila came in with a smooth assist to hypnotics, tropical, Fruit finished, shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good. The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the hypnotic team. Every season is hypnotic and tequila season. Hypnotic liqueur. Barnstown, Kentucky. 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely.
3: This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors. I do, you do, we all do. designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com DF today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, DF.
1: Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Speaking of Goliaths, uh,
0: we'll transition on to a conversation you and I were having offline about the three-year removed from high school graduation rule, Yeah, which I guess we can call the NFL uh, draft eligibility rule. So in order to be um, eligible to be drafted in NFL, you have to be three years removed from college or excuse me, three years removed from high school and most players go straight from uh high school to college so it normally means you have to be a junior uh to get in the NFL and it's not fair like i think it's 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 allowed to exist because at one point it was a rule that the NFL had and then it got put into the collective bargaining agreement because i think that they believe that that gives them some legal standing to defend it and that's what they use to defend it when Maurice Claret challenged it mm-hmm. um, a few years back. I think it's impossible to argue that it's fair, but there are players and I this comes to this conversation started between us because of uh, Marvin Harrison Jr. being the star of CJ Strauss pro deck because he caught his passes and it seemed like coming out of there. All anyone wanted to talk about was how Marvin Harrison is, uh, quote, a dude. In many different ways. An
2: NFL scout described it as window shopping at a Lamborghini dealership.
0: <laughs> yeah, for, for a model that doesn't come out until next year.
2: Yeah. <laughs> Which, yeah, he's he's a special
0: guy. And I think he would be a top three, top five pick if he came out this year. I think the, the guy would go DC, one. Yeah. Well, I, I I he would definitely go two yeah. uh if Kayla Williams was also eligible. Yeah, because Kayla Williams, the quarterback from Gonzaga and DC plays at USC right now is he's that next big prospect. He's the guy he's waiting for. And I guess there's a couple of different ways to talk about this. I think the first thing to talk about is, is it something that seems more common now that these players are getting ready or getting more prepared earlier. And of course this ties into our theme of the last couple of months, but these players are getting more developed earlier and a player like Marvin Harrison jr. Obviously he knows about football. He's been learning how to play receiver from one of the best of all time since he was uh, able to walk and run. So yeah, he's ready for the league and then it's not as rare. I think when you look back at the history of the draft, I think that, I started to assume that it's a relatively new phenomenon, but it doesn't feel like it's that new to me. Like I'm thinking back on players. I, I spent this uh, last couple of days thinking about it. And there are lots of players that I think could have come out early. Jadavion Clowney comes to mind. Obviously Maurice Claret could have, could have come out. I think Ricky Williams probably uh, could have come out. There are probably some offensive Peterson. linemen. Yeah. Yeah. Adrian Peterson for sure. Uh, like you go all the way back to your boy, Herschel Walker. Like probably some offensive linemen. Yeah, yeah, it's not my boy. Uh, and Dominican Sue comes to mind as a guy who probably could have been a top five pick if he came out a year early. And it works to the advantage of the the league, the NFL, and it works to the advantage of colleges, I think. But again, the people with the least amount of power and influence are the players, and that's their disadvantage because So for the league, obviously, they don't want to have a minor league because minor leagues are money losers. Normally, you know, you don't want to have to invest in that and develop these players. And also you get the benefit of ready made stars. Yeah. That college basketball. Ding, ding,
2: ding. This is the unique thing about how regional and secular and important college football is to creating stars.
0: Yeah, and it, it, they become national stars, and the ones who aren't national stars are regional stars, and deep into day two or day three of the draft, people are watching and care and, like, know some of these players because they watch and care and know them from college sports, and then it it carries over to the NFL teams, and it it means something. There's a value to that marketing that the NFL is getting. And I guess for some of the players, there's some value to the marketing that that they're receiving. But by and large, they're all losing money and putting their careers at, at risk. And I guess it's not all about money. And it's probably true that they wouldn't. They may not play immediately if they were drafted when they were young. But a lot of them, I think, could play immediately. I'm not sure what the true answer or what the best answer is to this, but. Honestly, I think removing the rule would be fairer, but again, since it's collectively bargained, they believe that it's never made it all the way to Supreme Court, but the league and the union collectively bargain it. It's something that the union agrees with and for obvious reasons, because the guys who are in the union don't need more younger players available to come in and take their jobs. And the NFL obviously benefits from it because of the marketing and the player development that we're talking about and they get to develop their players without any risk of of being on the hook for them being injured or anything like that and so I don't see this changing because no player is going to want to challenge it because it's going to have to work its way all the way back up like if you remember Maurice Claret challenged it because he didn't have a choice like he was 48
2: hours away from getting away with it too
0: yeah he he didn't he didn't really have a choice he didn't have any options he couldn't go back That was that was it. And so he's like, all right, I'm going to do it. But if you think about the amount of effort and time and money uh, it would take for somebody to challenge this rule and hopefully get the Supreme Court to accept it, it's not worth it for any of them because they just want to play football. So it's a rule that's going to continue to stand. uh, And both of the large institutions are going to continue to benefit from it. And I guess we benefit from it, too, in some ways. Uh, I do appreciate, I would appreciate Kayla Williams in this draft. Like, that's the one thing is that there, I guess you can't make exceptions, but there should be exceptions.
2: Well, funny. You should say that because I think there should be. And if you look at the history of this rule, this rule is just in place because Barry Sanders was so freaking good. His junior year of college that they're like, this is absurd. He doesn't need to come back. He's the one who challenged and changed this rule. Um, I think that it should be changed, but it should be regulated. Football is unique in that, in you know, to quote to quote Dan Levitard, it's a combat sport, not a contact sport. Where it's it is a dangerous sport. And like, imagine yourself at age nineteen; you could have run a four three, but you would have been physically broken playing in the NFL. Um,
0: I couldn't. Also, <laughs> but you,
2: you submitted a draft grade, and you got yeah. it back, and you had a sense of where you're going. This rule really would only benefit the special people who are physically ready, at, at, or skill-wise ready at a younger age and it should be open if the nfl grades these people as first round picks people who are going to get guaranteed contracts that can pay enough to support the decision because you don't want guys skipping out you're going to get picked in the sixth and seventh round and be on roster bubbles because that that changes the calculus of it so the nfl needs to protect these people a little bit these young people but someone like a, a running back position we've seen it with Saquon, Adrian Peterson, go back to Maurice Claret. Like there's a finite amount of mileage that NFL teams want, even Derrick Henry, on their running backs before they're devalued. Like in certain ways, they're used cars who lose value once they come off the lot. And to prevent that from happening two years later after they've proved to be physically better in college football is quite frankly silly.
0: Whenever you are making like hard decisions, yeah, I think what you're deciding what you should be deciding between is like which externalities you're more comfortable living with, like which, which bad things that come with it you're more comfortable living with. So right now the, the drawback is you're violating the rights of some players. You're reducing the um, lifetime earnings of those other special players. And you're also increasing their chance, their risk of injury before they get to that money so like that's for the select group of group of special players now let's say that you remove the rule um i don't know that you can go to a place where you can have this these special uh grades the way that you're talking about because the quarterback position is so important there are people who will get first round grades as quarterbacks who are not even having good seasons or having great seasons. So right now you imagine that it's just going to be James Winston. And you imagine that it's going to be a guy who had an outstanding season. It's going to be Trevor Lawrence. And yeah, that well, I'm thinking going to make, a
2: tongue of Iloa who had yeah, ankle yeah. surgery and hip surgery because he was forced to go back when he would have been the first pick of the draft.
0: Perfect example. Um, So you're imagining it applying to those players. But the point that I'm making is like, if you, Roll this out and you try to imagine what will actually happen, you know how inflated the value of quarterbacks are. If you have a quarterback who has a, a decent season but looks like like he's a highly touted
2: five-star quarterback,
0: he comes There's in an example
2: of this right now. We can talk about
0: as a true freshman and has a decent season. A lot of teams in the league would be willing to take him. I was gonna say at the end of the first round, but middle of the first round. Anyway, they'd be willing to give him a first-round grade. They'd be willing to draft him high enough that it'd be valuable for him to come out. And also, since the pay structure has changed, you could argue that it's better for these players to come out earlier. So, like, it would you rather be a second-round quarterback who does not have a a fourth-year option uh, and get to that second contract sooner, or first-round quarterback whose wages will be more suppressed and won't get to? free agency until year six. But anyway, all that aside, the point is if you leave it up to teams to grade when a player will be drafted, there are other things other than the player's skill that determine how high they will be drafted, especially for quarterbacks.
2: But I kind of, don't you think that's sort of fair? I mean, l- let's look at the example that's sitting on the board now for next season. Quinn Ewers. Quinn mm-hmm. Ewers was the 1-1 recruit, skipped his senior year of high school, went to Ohio State so he could cash in on NIL, transferred after that year back to Texas, had an okay year this past year 21 touchdowns six interceptions electric arm talent they're from all different slots super fluid he is going into his redshirt sophomore year presumably his last year in college football and he is not the assured starter because arch manning is coming into texas Mm -hmm. we don't know how many snaps if any snaps he's going to play for texas as the starting quarterback this year shouldn't he someone who based on production isn't close to a first round grade be able to come out and if his talent and age um, and arm talent have an NFL team wanting to take him in the first round, even if it's quarterback dependent, shouldn't that be allowed?
0: Yeah, that's, that's my point. My point is that it should be allowed. It it feels like, uh, I guess the only point I'm trying to make is uh, imagining a scenario where you can pick and choose guys is not a realistic way that's going to happen. It's like what it, what is going to happen and what probably should happen if this rule was ever, um, challenged and, and removed from the CBA is lots of guys will leave early. And again, it's about the exner- externalities that you're willing to live with, which means there will be some guys who ruin their careers by entering yeah. the draft earlier than they should have. Um and there also will be guys who have careers in the NFL that probably never would have had careers and maybe you could argue ha- benefit from it. I'm not sure what what will happen in the future but i feel like the best way or the smartest thing to do or the the thing that i'm most comfortable with doing is trying to make a situation more fair i I think football is the only sport where you really have this rule because it's because there is no minor league system and because it is so dangerous it's such a dangerous game that it feels unbelievable that a kid could walk out of high school and go play football we see it in basketball all the time, even guys who aren't successful right away because they show so much talent at a young age. And when the one and done rule is up and, and down, like it, it, everyone suspects it's going to go away again, but you see guys drafted high and kind of stashed and developed. It happens yeah. in college. Uh, I don't know if you can do that in pro football. Ex- with the,
2: expand the roster sizes. You'd have yeah. To. I was going to yeah.
0: say with the current size of the rosters, if that's something that you can do, but the risk to injury is much higher in football. And there are some guys who can survive in the NFL fresh out of high school. I wasn't one of them. There aren't many of them, Yeah, but there are guys who can, and there will be guys who are put out there who are Bryce young size and going to get smacked because if you're on the roster there, you see how it happens. The injuries happen. There's going to come a time to play. Like the idea that you can bring a guy in and guarantee that he's going to have the time to develop. It's just unrealistic. So I I don't know what it turns into, but I feel like as risky as it sounds, I'd rather always start at a place that seems more fair and then add um, precautions afterwards to address any like negative externalities that are born of it.
2: And weirdly it's uh, an adjustment to of the entire way that they coach in the NFL. I don't, you would know this better than me, but I can't imagine that their developmental staffs thinking about the, you know, 10 or so taxi squad, 19 year olds that would be on your team um, No, because that's totally different. The way you practice, the way that you schedule off season workouts and stuff. It's not just about the best team at that point. You're coaching for multiple years.
0: Yeah. And no one coaches for multiple years. It's just not how no one plans like that right now. It would it would require a a fundamental shift or at least like some additional um, uh, staff to focus on developing these players. And it's likely that it grows into something bigger and something more expensive that the league is not interested in or doesn't care about. But to me, that doesn't matter nearly as much as like not taking opportunity from guys and I guess it's it's it won't always be straight out of high school uh it'd probably be unlikely to be that but yeah there's certainly guys who show that they can dominate in college right off the bat those guys no reason why they can't be in the pro ranks
2: I don't know if there could be anyone who could go straight out of high school to the NFL and get drafted that high maybe Earl Campbell Um, but like you're wrong but I just well just mean like I feel like there's such a physical gap that teams would need to see them play against college sized people like Derrick Henry running against guys like me playing defensive line. How valuable could that possibly be for an NFL team?
0: (laughs) Yeah. I I mean, I think you're right that it's not a lot of them, but there are some of them. There are some of them that could show up. uh, uh, I think there might be the
2: talent. I just think it's impossible to evaluate because the gap is so physical. yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah, no, it's definitely impossible to evaluate, to project how well a high school player is going to be, but it doesn't matter. When it comes to quarterbacks, you convince yourself of crazy things, and that is a position that I think is less physically taxing. Yeah. You know, it's like, obviously, you can get hit and stuff, but it's not like you're going, you have to, like, manhandle people. Like, every other position, at some point, you're going to be in a fight.
2: Um, But the thing is, like, there's not even, with quarterbacks, the colleges don't even know to recruit him obviously nfl teams don't know how to draft him but they're just like the colleges six three big arm worth a shot
0: yeah i mean because what are, what are they what offenses are they running in high school <laughs> like, it, It's like it's a much simpler time and the talent disparity is huge it's like all right you can throw <laughs> yeah you probably got a ball out at high school and if you're tall enough we're gonna give you a shot and then figure out where it goes from there but I don't know. It's all hypothetical. Nothing. Uh, as I mentioned, as I explained earlier, I don't see this being a situation that changes, but it's a situation that I think should be addressed at some point.
2: We're on the vanguard.
0: <laughs> Appreciate it, Charlie. Well, right now I'm on the vanguard of some slope somewhere. Hopefully I'm not tearing uh, any ligaments. Pray for me. What movie should I, should I be watching on the plane before I download?
2: Hmm.
0: Hmm. That's what I'm about to do now. My flight's in a couple of hours and I'm about to start downloading movies and TV shows. Any recommendations?
2: I think, uh, I mean, if you're going to go with like a TV show, there's only one answer. That's Vanderpump Rules. You've got a hundred plus hours of content to get through. That's so you could spend your entire vacation. But no, if you're actually like, there's some sweet ski videos where you can just download people shredding gnar to awesome <laughs> music. <laughs> Yeah, I
0: I've passed the age where I'm gonna try to shred anything. The first time I went skiing, I've only been skiing like twice, and I was young. But they, my parents put me in lessons, Mm -hmm. and I, me and my brother left the lessons. We're like ten and twelve years old, and they were like, "Uh, "Pizza to slow (laughs) down,"
2: and like pizza versus French fry.
0: (laughs) Yeah, French fry, and me and him are looking at each other like, man you out here treat, treating us like we non-athletes, and so uh, my parents came back to pick us up from uh, the like the lessons, and we are smoking down the hill, just flying. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, you got balance, you got enough strength, it's fine. But at this age, yeah, little kids are made of rubber. Yeah, at this age, I'm just trying to avoid injury. But then it was like I was I was competitive, and I was my ligaments were a lot more bendy. I was out there trying, racing everybody and trying to slalom in in and out of other people. I remember that young, dumb man. But this man, I'm just going to be riding behind my kids, trying to make sure that they pizza and french fry.
2: Declan's about to break the sound barrier. Yeah, he's definitely going to try. He's
0: going to try to. Oh, man. Oh, gosh. Thank you. Well, that's what I, so I'm not going to do Vanderpump rules, I don't think. (laughs) I'm not a big reality show guy, Yeah, but I know you are. Love it. Uh, I I got into the reality show I got into was um Love is Blind. That was a good one. Yeah. I watched that with my wife. That was fun.
2: If you need an actual TV recommendation, the most underrated show ever, Halt and Catch Fire. I'm a huge Never fan. Of it. Mina's a huge fan. It's about the tech boom in the 80s. So it was like oh, okay. the AMC show that replaced Breaking Bad. uh It's a slow burn, but it's awesome. Awesome right. show.
0: You said Halton?
2: Halt and Catch Fire.
0: Oh, Halt and Catch Fire. All right. Download it. Appreciate it. Thank you, Charlie. You're the man. Um, thank you, Christina Buswell. Thank you, Sarah Abbott. Thank you, Adi Khan. You guys got any recommendations for me? Download recommendations before I go. Shout Ted out. Lasso. Vanderpump Rules. No. <laughs> oh. Adi, Adi, what'd you say? Ted Lasso. Oh, yeah. yeah. Ooh, that's I mean, a good I'm, one. I'm, I'm, I'm caught up on Ted, though. Uh, I'm caught up on Ted. But all right. Maybe I'll, I'm going to download. Have you
2: watched Severance? I watched the first episode of severance it, another slow burn, but I feel like that's a, yeah. that's a, that's a Dominique show.
0: Yeah. Okay. Because it's weird.
2: Really thought provoking. <laughs> yeah.
0: I, I know why, why Charlie said it's a Dominique show because it's weird. All right. I'm going to, I'll watch the second episode of severance. I'll download one episode of Vanderpump Rolls And, uh, yeah, I guess I got snowfall. I've never watched snowfall. I need to watch that. Hmm. And there's a BMF documentary that I want to watch too. Anyway, thanks everybody. See you next time. This is the Dominique Foxworth show. Robert half research indicates nine out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert half our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI